0: You're listening to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast, brought to you by Vespa, nature's catalyst for optimizing fat metabolism. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to the podcast. We have another wonderful interview. I'm so excited I get to talk to all these amazing people. Um, So we have Ariel Fitzgerald on the line. Zach Bitter coaches her, and she is the 100K Canadian women's team top athlete. Ariel has a, a great story, and for a lot of the ladies out there, I'm sure some of it sounds familiar, just like uh, Nikki's interview and Christine's interview. Naomi and I can both relate to their stories. So, you know, if Ariel, if you could just take it away and tell us, like, what's happened in the past and, and when um, Zach's coaching you and you started the OFM and Vespa and how things have changed.
1: Hello, guys. Um, I'm just recently um, started running ultramarathons. I used to be a 5K, 10K athlete. Um, and then through OFM and the use of Vespa, I've really been able to fast track my, um, my running career into the world of ultramarathons. Um, I do have a history of past. Um, when I was in high school, I lost a lot of weight unexpectedly. I've always been athletic. But um, just when things in my final year got very stressful and my academic load got a lot higher, harder, my digestion sort of seemed to shut off, but um, being so athletic, I just kind of kept going and going and going, and then eventually it got to a point where I wasn't absorbing any nutrients, and my body and my organs started to shut down. And my last year of high school, I was actually put on bed rest and exempted from all my exams because I was on the verge of heart failure.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's really scary. And you were
1: so young. Yes. So I was about 16 when it started. Um, I used to be a long jump and triple jumper, so I was... I was competing on a national level for both long jump and triple jump. And my grade 10 year, I won OFSA, and I had set 12 records in the Eastern Ontario area just over the course of the year. And then after that year, um, my health took a turn for the worst. And I um, I ended up losing a lot of weight. Um People then just started being very mean and negative towards me, telling me that I had an eating disorder, that I wasn't eating, that um, I should be put in the hospital, that I have something wrong with me mentally. And day after day, I would like fight with my mom or my brother or my family members for that matter, and just say this isn't true. And my mom always supported me and told me that, like, she doesn't have an eating disorder. I see the way she, way she eats, but it got to a point where. Um, I was down to about a very scary like eighty four pounds, I think I was, and I'm five five, so oh, it's very yeah. nice.
0: that's what are the what did your diet look like at that time? Like what can you just go through um sort of an example of what you ate during the day?
1: Yeah, so when I first when I before I got really, like, really sick, I was just, like, for breakfast, I'd have, like, probably a bagel with butter on it. Um, I was a carboholic, I like to say. I'm surprised. I I literally am surprised I wasn't 500 pounds. Um, but I wasn't eating very many nutrients, and I also wasn't um, eating, like, any – I was eating a lot, but it was all low quality, a lot of sugar. Um, I think I probably would have been on the verge of being diabetic just based on, like, I couldn't go an hour without eating anything. I used to eat somewhere between four and six granola bars every day, just because between every single period of class, my I'd be hungry afterwards. Like I was very athletic, so I mean that keeps your metabolism up. But when you're not eating anything substantial enough to keep you full, so for breakfast it would be like a bagel, butter. Um, sometimes I'd have a piece of fruit and um, chocolate, sh- like chocolate chip muffin. Um, lunchtime, I would have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I'd have a granola bar and some cafeteria, um, chocolate chip cookies, um, snacks were generally just your packaged food and dinner would be some sort of pasta meal with like chicken or no vegetables, no sorts of protein, not a lot of protein, um, so sugar but def- on
0: top of sugar.
1: Basically. <laughs> with a little and, extra sugar. And everyone used to make fun of me because they're like, think of how good of an athlete you'd be if you ate properly. Like, you <laughs> would, could do so much better. And, like, I just kind of laughed it off and was like, don't even. Like, um, my competition before or my pre-competition meal was always a bagel with butter, a chocolate chip muffin with butter, and... A chocolate, chocolate milk, and then I couldn't even make it through the entire competition without getting hungry. So I used to actually have to eat during my competition, and it's only like an hour and a half tops. Like, so it was very, it was very short period of time that I could go without getting hangry, basically, um, just because my blood sugar was so out of control. And then when I started to lose weight, um, I went to see a nutritionist who was supposed to put me on a diet to help me gain weight. And it consisted of English muffins with peanut butter, egg weights, um, oh and chicken and broccoli. It's like I pulled it up the other day because I have a lot of, kept a lot of stuff like under my bed and I pulled it up and I was like, make no wonder I didn't, couldn't get any better based on like what he was telling me to eat. Like now that I know like the difference in the quality of food and like, I'm educated myself in this area, but what he was telling me at that time was just ridiculous. Like a cup of it was like a cup of brown rice, a cup of pasta, an English muffin um, with a tablespoon of peanut butter. Very l- high, no egg, no egg yolks, just the weight. Six, it was like six egg whites every morning for breakfast. Um, yeah, so you weren't wow, eating any, like any a of the amino acids <laughs>
0: yeah. from
1: the the yeah, ex- egg yolks.
0: Ex- so yeah. what happened, so you were sick, and, and what was the big turnaround, like, what happened that, that you got information, like, wow, this is not working, and there's a better way?
1: So I, um, so what had happened was I said, like, I started attending, like, um, rehab, basically, for pe- people with eating disorders, just because, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to fight that battle anymore, and I had no idea what to do, and, like, From my perspective, I would be put in the hands of medical doctors who would hopefully be able to, like, make my heart work so I could, like, do activities again and not just sit in my bed all day sort of thing. Um, But then after attending that, I was, like, I couldn't do it. Like, I just couldn't, like, seeing how sick those girls actually were with something like this was very eye-opening to me, and it was very scary that, like, just to see other individuals go through something that extreme is... It's very heartwarming, so I came home and I just like delved into research. Um, I ended up stumbling. My English teacher had briefly mentioned Mark Sisson um, when I was—I think I was in grade 11. He was getting into Mark Sisson, and he he mentioned stuff like that. So I had remembered his name. So I got onto his blog, and then I came across sort of like the paleo, the primal living, that sort of thing, and then yeah. I got into like leaky gut and it kind of sort of waved into stuff that's more um geared towards like grain-free gluten-free diet so i remember my mom came home from work and i i'm one of those people like when i get an idea in my head i just sort of run with it and this was in her eyes this is like one of these i brilliant ideas i have that i'm just gonna try and it's probably gonna give up on it but we'll see so it ended up not giving up on it and it it was, it was life-changing because it kind of got me back into... Within, like, two months of just cutting out the grains, I was able to start, like, running again and having energy to do that sort of thing. Um, but throughout my university... Um, I found like stress played a lot of factors and I was still eating like a lot of, a lot of vegetables, like a lot of high fibers vegetables, um, a lot of fruits, like very still dependent on that sort of, those sort of carbohydrates. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this past year, and I've been kind of, I was playing with more getting into like the more fats and stuff like that because, um, Well, originally it was more like fats make you fat, which wasn't what I thought, but I knew like the nutrient density of them would be able to satiate me and keep me full longer. So I consumed a lot of nuts and stuff. Like nuts were my big one, like a lot of those. But I still ate a lot of fiber. So my digestion still kind of suffered with that. But by using like um, tuning in with the OFM and the Vespa, it's like my digestion now is night and day and my energy is crazy. And it's just—it's really been life changing for me. How did you run into Zach, and how did he become your coach? Um, that's funny. I broke my arm in January snowboarding, so I was in a forced to like sit on the bed and not do much. So I was listening to a bunch of podcasts, and Zach ended up on Jimmy Moore, one of Jimmy Moore's podcasts, which is another podcast I listen to quite a bit. So I got into. I thought his story was very interesting, and I was like, "Oh, maybe I'll give ultra marathons a try when I once like I, I can run again and my arms sort of better." So I reached out to him and got in contact with him, and I ended up entering my first marathon after two weeks of training, um, and then a week after that, I entered my first ultra marathon to qualify to go to Worlds. So wow.
0: That's a pretty uh,
1: pretty quick uh, jump into the the
0: world
1: of... You don't muck around, really, do you? No, I just kind of jumped right into that one. Um, When I was injured, I will say I was really in tune with my fat metabolism. I had a really hard reset. Um, I tried to eat a lot because I wasn't moving around as much. I tried to really put an emphasis on um, low-carb, high-fat. And I did a lot of walking. So I think by like that combination sort of kept, it didn't keep me in shape, but it got me really dialed in. So when I entered like an event like that, I was, my body was able to sort of switch over and be able to fat metabolize to kind of keep me going throughout the race.
0: That would help you become very insulin sensitive and fat adapted. Yes, so, I yeah. mean it. Actually, is a perfect scenario that your arm was broken, and, you, and it <laughs> it's forced a blessing you to, in disguise. Yeah, it, yeah. Forced, <laughs> it forced you to settle down so you could become um, fat adapted. Because a lot of folks who do a hard reset, they have too much activity, and it it messes up the hard reset. So it was a it was a good uh, scenario for that.
1: Yes. No, it's, I wouldn't, it's weird I wouldn't change it for anything because it does. It, it almost being like when you're so athletic and all the go, it's very hard, like you both probably know, to pull yourself out of that routine until like a traumatic event forces you out of that routine. And then it's just like finding ways to sort of keep yourself mentally sane, but also like look at it and be like, okay, what's the most I can get out of this bad situation, which is about all I can do. I mean, and it was funny because I say to Zach, I was on the – I didn't know if I wanted to start doing ultra marathons or if I just wanted to – like, I was going to stop running completely. Like, I just didn't know where I wanted to be after this. I was like, my body's taking enough of a beating. Maybe I'll just kind of let it be, but – Clearly it was meant to be, so and I'm enjoying it a lot. So how'd you feel after
0: you did your first marathon? I mean, did you you sound like you were really fat adapted and you felt good and obviously jumping right away into the hundred K distance and you qualified for world. So those two things are pretty amazing. So can you just go over like how you felt during the marathon or the hundred K, um, and, uh, like your nutrition before and during the race.
1: Yeah. So for my marathon, I, my marathon was supposed to, cause it was a week, they were a week apart. So my marathon was supposed to be treated more like a tempo run. And I had never like, honestly, before that race, I had never run anything longer than a, a five kilometer race. So, Um, I I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I kept – like before the race, I just – I did a bunch of carb sneaks with um, like sweet potatoes and butter. I did a little maple syrup and coconut oil. Um, Before the race, I just – I always eat chocolate before I run. Um, It's just basically coconut oil, um, cocoa powder, and salt. But that's one of the things I, I just always have to have before I run. Like, when I race, because I find it just the medium chain triglycerides helps promote um, ketone production when you're not going to be, like, exerting, like, going super fast. So my marathon nutrition, um, I didn't really eat anything until the 27th kilometer. So I purely did it on um, Uh, coconut oil. And then at the 27-kilometer mark, someone gave me, like, A gel, which I'd never had before, and just like the immediate sugar kind of pulled me through. So I ended up, I ran a time, I ran a three oh one, which I was happy with because after like I wasn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was I wasn't like exhausted. I ended up working an eight hour shift after that, so you know it wasn't like something I was like dead on the couch afterwards. But then for my ultra marathon. Before was similar, but throughout I fueled with maple syrup um, and just hard candies. And then um, for worlds, I'm planning to use um, more like maple syrup and Vespa because I've noticed a major difference in my training just by incorporating something like that just into it. So that it's been few more things to get dialed in, but I'm excited. That's pretty good. What's
0: the time (laughs) frame from the time where you were on the couch or in bed before you broke your arm when you're, when you were, had the heart condition and, um, you were told you're never going to run. You need to, you know, take it easy. And they gave you that horrible diet to the time you qualified for worlds. Like, what's the month time frame or the year or or what's the time frame involved?
1: It was, well, it was fairly up and down. I, um, from when I was sick to, I, t- I was about a year. I took a year off to just like, I did a lot of research. I really just focused on, um, putting myself first and like regaining my health, um, a bit. And then I went to school the following year. So that would be two years. And in school, I, I, Did run, I did run some cross country for my for the for university, um, but it wasn't like super competitive. And then at the end of that year, I started getting some of my symptoms back again, and my digestion started to suffer. And I just think it was a combination of stress and like not too much fiber and stuff like that. Like I just found like my digestion was really suffering. So I ended up taking that summer off again, and then that brings me. So it was about three years, three or four years. Well, that's a, pretty,
0: that's a pretty was, short time frame for going from half dead to world yeah. qualifier yes
1: yeah, so it's been it's been a very roller coaster my life's been a roller coaster that's for sure but it's taught me a lot and I know I'm just I'm just at the base of it like I'm just gonna continue to learn and experiment with things and it's only hopefully gonna go up from here so but how old are you now Ariel I'm just, I'm twenty-one.
0: Oh, so you're just you just a baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty young. Yes. <laughs> um, but. I can't believe though, Ariel, how
0: naturally the progression went, and and how you know you started to make changes, and then these changes became huge changes in your life. You know, yes. Just from just from changing your diet and your nutrition, and even just your race nutrition.
1: Yes. Like, um it's it's actually incredible like nutrition is really the key to like key to health and I'm I'm studying holistic nutrition right now and it's just the whole the way I freshly speak because the way the medical system is set up it's not set up to it has its time and place but it's not geared towards nutrition when nutrition can be a lot of the answers to a lot of unknown problems and the solution to a lot of things and it's really it really frustrates me when you see people who are willing to especially with kids like I work I see a lot of kids and parents who are willing to give their kids medication instead of just taking the red lollipop out of their mouth to make them focus better they're running around and they can't pay attention in school so they just want to slip them a pill instead of changing their diet and it's just it's so sad for me to see and like. Um, you guys probably know just like young females getting on low-fat diets or like pastitarian diets where they're becoming vegans but all they eat is pasta and they're not getting any nutrients. And then they're coming and growing facial hair because their estrogen levels are all out of whack. It's just… it's. You, I mean, I, I don't
0: know about Canada but in the United States there's such a emphasis on that because dietitians have to follow the food pyramid legally. And the yeah. pyramid, the bottom of it is b- pasta. So it's sort of a, a horrible thing. And I, I mean, I, I know that I can relate to what you're saying about seeing parents who give their kids soda pop. Um, it makes me cringe. But, you know, just like you went to a doctor and he's like, oh, you know, have all this sugar, but, you know, cut out the fat and it kept you sick. And yes. um, I'm sure Naomi, you know, Australia is not much different. Yes, so, yes, very much the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: and- it it's the exact same here. And it's it's really sad because if you were to if you look at the Canadian or even like the Canadian food guide, it's not done based on nutrition, it's done on a corporate level. So it's done by which industry can contribute the most to the population. So it's very it has a lot of it's impacted by a lot of things and it comes down to like a business standpoint but then you see them you see these large food companies coming up with like juice boxes or like coconut water chocolate milks but they still have like 12 to 14 grams of sugar in a single juice box like make no wonder these kids can't sit still long enough to listen in a classroom or anything like that yes yeah, it's, it's yeah. crazy and it's but
0: it's people like you who are changing your diet, and your story is so amazing that you were, you know, the doctors were telling you that you know you can't move because your heart's going to give out to qualifying um, for a national team. I mean, that's uh, and re- representing Canada for the hundred k is is an amazing story, and I'm really feel privileged that I get to interview you, and and I'm. It's it's super exciting to know that you're studying uh, health because then you could be a voice in the future uh, for other women out there.
1: Yes, thank
0: you. Yeah, um, yeah. it makes such ahead. a huge <laughs> impact. Sorry, you you're gonna make such a huge impact on you know the girls out there in the future because you've been through that. You know you you know what it's like. You know, um, and. And you've studied through it out as well. So so you're the next generation of that's coming through that that can make a difference.
1: Yes, and that's that's kind of what I plan to do is just through like through everyone making connections and it only takes a small people, small group of people, to keep just inspiring other individuals to help them make better choices or put other ideas in their head. Because it's really just through success that people get inspired. Get inspired, which is exactly what happened with you girls as well. Thank yes. you. The
0: I mean, I think that you know you you're obviously very charismatic and um, you're very compassionate. Have you ever um, wrote in to like Jimmy Moore and tell him about your story? Because I'm sure that he would love to hear about
1: your success. Uh, yes, I've I've thought about doing that. I've he's one of the one of the people who I've actually listened to a lot. He was one of the f- first podcasts when I really started to dial in on the fat metabolism because he puts more of an emphasis on like the ketogenic diet. But what I found with like a ketogenic diet versus optimal fat metabolism is using those strategic carbs in a certain way to help enhance your athletic performance, which is why um, this was sort of a, a blessing. In de- like By doing optimal fat metabolism, it's really been able to take my athletic performance to the next level. Um, yeah, but, we have the best of both worlds because
0: we get yeah. to, uh, we get to have the benefits of being fat adapted, but whenever we're, we get, we train, we get the candy. So,
1: yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: when, you, when you were saying about the chocolate, I was like, I, on my li- long bike rides, uh, do uh, do chocolate as well. Every, every long bike ride or every long run. Um, yeah, so i think uh and i think you know what's great about jimmy is he really shines a light on how people people who are obese a ketogenic diet is fabulous but when it comes to being an athlete and winning races it's those strategic carbs that really make the difference and i i think that nutrient timing is sort of the key to it all like those strategic carbs and then the amino acids through vespa um, yes. Are, are just like the perfect combo to be a front runner.
1: It's it's so true. And he definitely – he's very open-minded and optimistic when it comes to sort of listening in on other people, which is something I admire about him. But the amino acids, too, it's funny you mentioned that because we have a uh, – when like vegetarians and vegans it works for some people doesn't work for others but often what we find in practice is most of them are very deficient in amino acids and half the time it's like you can't supplement that like it's like we can't sell you anything here and often we just direct them to like the meat department or like you hear about people whose hair starts falling out and it's just that stuff's heartbreaking to me right
0: and and i think that You know by you speaking up you're you're showing them by being an example and also living an example that there's a better way you can have you can have it all you can have good health and good performance um both
1: yes exactly and it's it is as much as eating bacon and eggs for every meal is delicious um i do tend to try and incorporate some of the superfoods in so i consume broth on a daily basis i add in liver to my breakfast or my post-workout meal um because those things i find they're they're so nutrient dense they're like liver is the highest source of coq10 um it's very delicious and it doesn't upset my digestive tract whereas like if I'm eating too many leafy greens and things like that I'm my feel blows right through me it's just it's one of those things and you get the bloating and then you're yeah my, so
0: I, I think that it's great that you're doing that you know that you recognize that we're the concentrated nutrition is in the organ meats because a lot of folks they think kale is a superfood. Yet, if you have digestion problems, anything with that much fiber uh, is can be pretty damaging.
1: Exactly, and especially if you're an athlete and your digestive tract is already like you know, if you're exercising in the heat, it it is going to impact your digestion. There's no, there's it's what happens so you don't want to be putting more stress on it when you don't need to like if you can just eat higher eat at the top of the food pyramid you're going to get the same nutrient value if not more from those sort of foods because our bodies can actually um act, like extract those nutrients and absorb them and use them for repair and growth because, um, like, if you think about organ meat, that's what they used to give pregnant women. Like, they used to give the the muscle meat to the animals and save the organ meats for, like, the women. And there's right, reasons why. women, right. Yeah, there's reasons why they did that.
0: And I think a lot of people don't realize that plants have certain uh, things in them, like um, leptins and... Um, And all kinds of different anti-nutrients and mycotoxins that are designed to protect that plant from insects. But that those poisons against insects are also can be poison in your body. And uh, you know, a little bit of that is not such a bad thing. But if you have too much of it, it can really affect you. And if you're super sensitive, like an athlete, you're already putting through your body through a lot of stress. That extra stress. Of dealing with those mycotoxins can really affect your performance
1: it's it's true and fight phy, uh, phytotoxins or phytonutrients those are um, blockers like they work they block nutrient absorption so if you're consuming way too many of them you're just basically blocking all the other nutrients that your body could use um, to repair. yeah so apparently <laughs> it's
0: working for you girlfriend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so and it's working for naomi and i too but yeah. i've had many more years of damage to my system than you have and, and i think naomi is probably the same you know I, in the 80s i uh, is whenever the real low carb craze came out or i mean the low fat craze came out and i was eating a ton of carbs no fat at all and my system was really messed up. I, I don't think it was to the extent of your system. And a lot of it yeah. was because I wasn't training like that. I was on the golf team in high school, so it's a, <laughs> it's a little less stress. But yeah, when I got older and I started doing endurance sports, and I was also in the military, and I, I didn't do well there either with my running. I mean, I barely passed my PT test because I just didn't feel good. And I was eating that low-fat, high-carb diet. So I had years and years of damage. And I mean, I think it probably about 25 years of damage. And I'm recovering a lot. Like, I feel better now than my whole life. But um, because I've changed my diet to what you're eating now. You just had a few years of of really horrible damage. But you've turned it around pretty darn quickly. I mean, three (coughs) years is like super rocket speed of of getting better and getting fast
1: yes but it's it's one of those things too where um like everyone for even when i was trying to regain my health you fall immediately into that high carb low fat state and it doesn't do anything for you and then it's like then it becomes more like Brain, You have brain fog all the time. You don't even know what to do because you're you're fueled by carbohydrates. So you're constantly having ups and downs and mental breakdowns because you think you're doing – you're playing society's game. You're playing – you're doing everything that they're telling you to do but yet it's still not working. So that's when you have to look to other resources which – which we are lucky that we have done that. And hopefully, we can inspire other people to do the same thing. Well, you certainly are at the
0: moment, anyway. <laughs> yes. I, what I, I think is crazy I grew up on a cattle ranch, and my grandparents ate a ton of organ meat. And they would eat all kinds of stuff, like sweetbreads. And I would be like, that's going to kill you because of all the <laughs> cholesterol. And what's crazy is they were right, and I was wrong. As, as a kid. And if I would have eaten like my grandparents who, you know, all lived a pretty long time, I, yeah. I would have had the good health that they did. But, um, I was listening to the media. I mean, on TV, there was all those snack well commercials and reports in the nightly news, how cholesterol was going to
1: give you a heart attack. I know it's, it's crazy. And it's, it's, it's upsetting how much impact the media has on people, and that goes back to female girls. That's who they target as female girls. So why can't they send out a positive message to them instead of this yes. do- nutritional dogma that they claim is gonna be good for them when it's not?
0: Yes, I know. There's a big just... cognitive dissonance between the medical community and nutrition. Uh, one of my clients, she just got her blood test and. And her cholesterol is high because that's pretty normal when you're eating a high-fat diet. Everything else was great. And um, her doctor was talking about putting her on statins. And um, she was horrified. And so, uh, which is, is crazy. And I and my um, the girl was telling me that her, her doctor is also 300 pounds. And so... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and so this doctor who's supposed to be promoting good health... Is pushing statins and telling my client who looks pretty darn good, and uh, that she she needs to change her diet, her change her change some things in her diet. So it's just crazy. And um, you know, young women, especially young women and men, they need fat and cholesterol. That's the precursor for their hormones. And especially yeah. when they're going through all those changes in puberty, you need those those hormones for stability and it's no wonder young girls have such swings in emotions whenever they go through their menstrual cycle because they don't have the precursors of of the fat and cholesterol to help them with stability
1: no it's so true and they they fear they stray away from fat and they stray away from cholesterol and they gear towards these foods that like soy the most genetically modified thing out there and then they're putting all these birth control pills and all these other hormones into their body and wondering why they're growing facial hair. Like it's just, I've had customers come in and just be in tears because they don't know what to do anymore. Meanwhile, their doctors are telling them that they need to eat less protein and stop drinking dairy and they're consuming three vegan protein shakes made with soy milk every day and wondering what's going on. It's just, you know, it's
0: funny that you say that because my naturopath doctor, she's um, all into organ meats and and all that. And she was telling me about a friend of hers who was drinking all the soy milk and growing facial hair and um, asking my doctor about it. And she (laughs) and my doctor told her stop drinking the soy milk and you will stop (laughs) growing hair those phytoestrogens will wreck you so um the um and last i know the the lady did not listen to her friend who happens to be a naturopathic doctor who has done amazing things for me um and helped my health that uh you know, her friend just continues to grow facial hair, and I guess she waxes or something, but
1: that's not normal if you have a
0: beard no. and you're a girl.
1: Yeah, exactly, you're or you're a it. man and have boobs. Like, those yes. aren't yeah. supposed to, that's <laughs> not how it's supposed to go. Your hormones are crazy enough, you don't need to mess with them anymore. Like, just let them be. Yeah, um,
0: that's right. Well, we're coming up on time, so, um, and it's been such a great, interview to talk to you Ariel it's so nice to see someone who's who's young and who gets it and who's gonna be a really a great contributor to the uh, endurance community and the medical community if you um, stay with your your studies so I'm really excited to to watch how you're gonna do in the 100k and and represent Canada it'll be a good reason to represent to cheer for another country
1: (laughs) <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Don't sell us short quite yet. <laughs> <Just do. laughs> well, thank you guys for taking the time. It was my pleasure to be um, on interviewed for this podcast, and I wish you guys all the best in your endeavors in the near future. Oh,
0: thank you so much. We're gonna have to have you on again. <laughs> yes, definitely.
1: I can't wait to hear how you go. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, after
0: your race, we have to to talk to you again.